The following program is paid for by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 7233. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group. Contact your local branch for more information. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, sponsored by Gateway Mortgage Group. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the February 4th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. Each week I share expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it can affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And the lineup for the show today, Noel Bortfeld, Chief Marketing Officer with Windermere Real Estate, how a how to market a listing. Also in studio, I have Aaron Hendon with Christine and Company, Keller Williams, the consequences of working with the wrong world tour. And last guest in studio, Michael Chafee with International Business Solutions, keeping and growing wealth in 2017. Great information and great guest in studio. For more information on any topic discussed or topics you'd like to hear on future shows, please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411.50 or online at themoneyr.com. And let's start out with a little money chat. Money. Money. The reason behind the shortage of appraisers. What's going on with the appraisals and the appraisal market? The shortage of appraisers causes home sale delays. Housing demand is rising rapidly, but the key cog in the wheel is homeownership is in deep trouble. It's the people who needed to close the deal are disappearing. It's the appraisers, the men and women who value the homes and who mortgage mortgage lenders are depending on are shrinking in numbers. That is causing growing delays in closings, costing buyers and sellers money, and in some cases, even costing them the deal. The share of on-time closings has dropped from 77% to 64% for loans backed by Fannie and Freddie Mac, according to Campbell Inside Mortgage Finance. Appraisal-related issues in these delays jumped by 50% in that time frame. Since 2007, when the U.S. housing market came crashing down, the number of appraisers has shrunk by 22%, according to the Appraisal Institute and Industry Association. With so few new candidates, the current population of appraisers is aging. More than 60% are over the age of 50. Now, ironically, the decline in the new appraisers is largely due to new regulations designed to safeguard both banks and borrowers. They were put in place at the end of 2008 by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and FHA as the entire mortgage banking community was under strict scrutiny after the financial crisis. They changed the rules that would allow appraisers apprentices to do full appraisals and instead required the licensed appraiser to be on site for that inspection. So the result is the appraisers no longer see the need to pay apprentices, but at the same time, licensing requirements to become an appraiser include 2,500 hours of appraisal experience to be completed completed in two years as an apprentice. So the typical appraiser 
he's going to do approximately 10 to 15 appraisals a week. For him to be able to take a trainee, he needs the ability for the trainee to go ahead and inspect the property for him. The rules have changed now, and you cannot do what you used to be able to do in 10, year, 10 years ago, which is to hire three of the, the four trainees and really have them go out and inspect the properties, go to work for you, and really function as an apprentice. So the market has completely eliminated that. In some of the nation's hottest housing markets where sales are up in double digits compared to a year ago, the shortage means searching far and wide for an appraisers. So valuations are becoming really important as the house prices are uh, gaining. The problem is if it's taking longer for the appraisers to get out the property and do those appraisals, the value could be changing during that period of time. So it's, it's it could be a significant issue. So the challenge that we're having with the appraisals and the delays as a consumer, just know that the cost for an appraisal has increased. And I've, I've said for years, it's the appraiser really deserve to get a, a raise. Everybody seems in the industry that they're making more money with the increase in values. But the appraisers were their fees have been set for many years. So the increasing fees that the appraisers have um, now is actually a good thing. Um, Plan on paying for a rush appraisal. If your mortgage professional asks if you want to pay a rush, say definitely yes, because I'll tell you, getting that appraisal back in a two-week period versus getting the appraisal back in a month can be a huge deal breaker in being able to keep that deal together. So again, there's a lot of cost. There's a lot of risk with the delay appraisals. Uh, Lock extensions, uh, issues with the value. So keep that in mind. And uh, that's a little behind the scenes of what's happening with the delayed appraisals. So that's the money chat for today. Coming up next on the money hour, how do you market a listing? Noel Bortfeld is chief marketing officer with Windermere Real Estate right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. you want when you want with a banner bank connected checking account you can use any atm in the world for free that's any atm anywhere think of it as your freedom to explore banner bank let's create tomorrow together unlimited surcharge rebates from non-banner owned us atms banner bank member fdic equal housing lender Have you recently purchased a home and are wondering how you can make it your home with a fresh new design on a budget? If so, we have the answer. Go visit the Design Center at Staging and Design Network. You'll have access to award-winning design services, new and used furnishings at up to 50% off retail, and membership is only $60 a year. They work with thousands of interior designers and professional home stagers. They also create model homes for high-end builders. Go online to staginganddesignnetwork.com, all spelled out, and become a wholesale member or visit their showroom in Kirkland. The address and directions are listed on their website. It's located in an industrial park where you would never expect. You'll consider Staging and Design Network a hidden treasure after your first visit. This is Trisha Tomlinson with Staging and Design Network. Our phone number is 425-272-4430. That's 425-272-4430. And you can find us online at www.staginganddesignnetwork.com, all spelled out. 
You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, February 4th show. I am dedicated to my listeners, providing you with the tools needed to make informed decisions on all matters that affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can always call the show at one 855 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com. Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And in studio right now, Noel Bortfeld, Chief Marketing Officer with Windermere Real Estate. And Noel, thank you so much for coming back in studio. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to be back. Always have a <laughs> pleasure to have a conversation with Noel. And a little uh, background if you've missed her past uh, previous segments. Uh, Noel, again, is Chief Marketing Officer and is responsible for all consumer marketing activities on behalf of Windermere. She oversees branding, advertising, interactive and direct marketing, lead generation, program management, social media, public relations, and even marketing. Her experience includes brand marketing for Fortune 500 company as well as global agencies. She also leverages a leadership background in web application development and consumer relationship management, CRM. Recently, Noelle made Boston Logic top 10 to watch. Noelle, again, thank you. Just really excited to have our conversation. And our topic today is going to be how to market a listing. So, Noel, tell us about the types of products and services that you've marketed in the past. Well, let's see. About 30 years ago, I started my career at Nestle, and I was privileged enough to work on infant formula, which we got to launch in the United States. Uh, I also worked on Contadina tomato products and um, was able to launch Contadina pizza squeeze, which I still buy to this day. (laughs) So that was a very (laughs) fun product. And um, I also worked on Nescafe and Taster's Mm -hmm. Choice. And then Later on in my career, I spent a lot of time working with Hewlett Packard. So a lot of a lot of um, marketing experience, definitely. So let's talk about marketing a listing. Everyone knows about the four P's of marketing. How do you apply them to marketing a listing? Let's go ahead and start out with product. Okay. So yes, there's a product, price, place, promotion, and kind of the the way the consumer packaged goods industry frames it. So I try and bring that same framework and bring it to the real estate industry. So from a product standpoint, when you think about it, you're talking about a listing or a home. And that can come in the form of anything from staging the actual product or the mm-hmm. listing, um, creating some improvements, um, doing some repairs, actual curb appeal when people just drive up into the neighborhood, um, how the home is showed, whoever's holding the open house, what is that how does that person talk about the product? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also there's the whole element of inspections. That's going to affect your product. So we Definitely. really try and think of all those levers when we think of product. So, Noel, let's, what about price? I mean, that's got to be really, really important and, and not just in a, a, a market to where there's not a lot of activity going on, but it's as important, if not important, not more important, it's as important, if not more important than the market that we're in today, when you think price might not really even matter that much when it does, because we all want to maximize the price. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tina. I think you have to look at market conditions. And if you look at it locally, prices have been rising and we're short on inventory. And so things like market conditions can very much affect how a a realtor um, prices this home. Um, People tend to do comparative market analysis Mm -hmm. as well. But again, that's just one data point in the pricing mix. Um, 
sometimes people look at uh, what's my return on my investment? You know, how much equity do I have in this home? Um, how will that affect the price? Can I walk away? What's my breaking point? Mm-hmm. Uh, when do, what, what do I need to maybe cover some other expenses? They also look at um, some of the price drops that might be happening in other areas. Yes. Probably not so much in this market right now, but price drops do happen. Um, days on market is another factor. Mm-hmm. If, if your home is sitting there for 60 days, you might want to consider dropping the price. Um, another element of pricing is just th- looking at uh, the other homes and what the listing price was versus what the actual sales price was. So you look at that ratio. And so if people are selling it for like 95% of asking price, you might start to think about what is your asking price and how does sure. that compare? Makes sense. So Noel, how about place distribution? So distribution, that's probably the simplest. That's how uh, listings are actually distributed across the web. If, if you can think about how all the MLS then mm-hmm. distributes those listings to Zillow or Realtor or to the brokerage's actual website. So that that's a fairly straightforward one. The industry's done a great job with distribution. So it, consumers can find the the, the, the listing somewhere, yes, somewhere definitely. online. That's not an issue really in this industry. Uh, let's get into the final, which is promotion. Okay, that's a big one. <laughs> I think a lot of agents will say, well, how should I market my listing? Mm-hmm. And I try to remind them of the, the three aforementioned P's because those are as important, but I think a lot of focus is typically on promotion. Um, that can come in the form of photography, open houses, signage, <laughs> brochures, mm-hmm. direct mail, um, videos, actually very hot, um, floor plans, 3D tours. We're getting into some augmented reality, that. which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, any kind of advertising as well. And that's really falls under promotion. So l- let's talk about, I think, you know, the most important thing to consider, which is really developing the plan and putting this all together. Absolutely. Um, I think the most important thing is to stop and think about who that potential buyer could be. I think we we don't stop and think that this is actually the perfect home for Mm -hmm. this type of individual. Mm -hmm. And I think more thought has to be given to that. And, you know, when I've talked with you before, Noel, we talked about, you know, the stories and the importance of uh, really putting together a story in that marketing plan. And when you know what that buyer is, when you know who that targeted buyer is, then you can really bring that story in. Because we are talking about selling a home, which is a life store, a life um, a style, and it's somebody's story is going to be told there. Absolutely. So uh, how does someone develop an uh, objective? So I always think of objectives as being SMART, and I think everybody knows that acronym, um, SMART, S for specific, M for measurable, A for actionable, R for realistic, and T for timely. So when people write their objectives, I'm really hoping that they're going to use SMART objectives, meaning let's, here's an example, generate three qualified buyers in the next 30 days. You know, that's very measurable. You're either going to get three qualified buyers or you're not. Yes. <laughs> you know? um, it's very easy to measure. And if it's in with the, within 30 days, you either did it or not. So really setting um, measurable objectives that are within a time frame, then you know whether you're going to be successful or whether you need to tweak your marketing plan. And what about measurement? I mean, because we all know that's really important is the measurement of that plan. Yes. And a lot of times I think folks struggle with um, how to measure something. Uh-huh. But in terms of tying them back to the imet- to, to the objective itself, you think about, well, did I actually generate three new buyers? Yes. Or potential buyers? That's a yes or no. Yes. That's very easy to measure. Mm-hmm. Some other media is tougher to measure, mm-hmm. but a lot of times you can think about, okay, what is the response mechanism that I want to add to this advertising so that I know 
what is the call to action? Yes. That way the metrics are a little bit easier for you. Yeah, and when you're really, when you are have a targeted uh, group that you're marketing, which is really the name of the game, and you have a lot of those touch points going in, those touch points do start to kind of inter, you know, mingle in, so mm-hmm. it sometimes can be difficult. Um, can you talk about, uh, let's going back to the audience and the potential buyer, can you give me an example? Um, sure. I, you know, I, I use this one in, in a class that I teach, uh, the wealthy modern enthusiast who travels via private jet. Wouldn't we all like to be that person, yeah, right? Yeah, that sounds so, fun. Yeah. <laughs> you think of the you know wealthy, it obviously speaks to their income. Um, mm-hmm. A modern enthusiast, enthusiast, meaning they love all things modern, modern architecture, um, okay. modern furniture, yeah. just everything modern. Um, but traveling via private jet, you know, mm-hmm. that's obviously talks about their lifestyle. Yes. This is just sort of one extreme. So in the class, sometimes I'll say, okay, here's your primary target audience. And maybe here's your secondary, the one that you think might be a potential buyer too. It might be a Chinese investor. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So knowing those two, you could develop your objectives, your strategies, and your tactics. So how does that affect the media that you're going to choose? That's a great question. I think um, a lot of times you can look at that um, target audience and all and develop almost like a if you think about a bullseye in the center you have the tribe <laughs> the target audience uh-huh. you know if you thought about um, those people that travel via private jet maybe um, you would do your advertising in Velocity magazine for example okay. um, beyond the tribe and that might be um, beyond that first very targeted concentric circle within a within that within that concentric circle, you can actually just think about, all right, where are the places I can meet with these people in person? Uh-huh. Okay. Then you can start to pull out a little bit and say, all right, what kind of local advertising can I do to reach either one of those, the primary audience, the modern enthusiast, or the secondary, the Chinese person, um, the Chinese buyer? It could be um, looking at the Puget Sound Business Journal, which is a great mm-hmm. local mm-hmm. newspaper. Then you start to go, okay, how can I expand outward to maybe the Western United States. Maybe you need to be in Alaska Beyond, you know, magazine. Um, then you get out to the international global place and maybe you're, yeah. you're sending your listings to juai.com, which is a, a website that is targeted to the Chinese buyers. Okay, so really focusing that all, that all in. So how does geographic coverage play in the mix, Noel? Well, I think it does go back to that target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and international, if you don't have any reason to think that your buyer is coming from another country, then don't spend the money yes. marketing your listing there. Yep. Um, I think sometimes people try and just do the same things over and over again mm-hmm. without thinking about really who is that potential buyer and how is the best way to reach them? Or how can I reach like-minded people yes. that will actually talk about this listing to the people that might hear about it through word of mouth? Yeah. So since we're talking about uh, marketing for a listing and, you know, with all of the uh, education and the training that you do for the real estate community, and especially within Windermere, what do you see as the primary primary mistake that is happening when marketing a listing? <laughs> I call it the spray and pray. I was going to say approach. it's because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it really like just completely contradicts uh-huh. understanding who that potential buyer is yeah. and thinking about that and thinking about what kind of vehicles you would use to reach them. Spray and pray means you're uh-huh. just going out there with maybe a direct mail piece that just goes to everybody um, on in your database. Yeah. And you're not really thinking about, well, gosh, maybe some of those people in my database 
actually already just bought their home last year. Yeah. Why are they getting this Got it. information? So you have to be relevant to, to folks and, and not just put it all out there to everybody because it's, you don't want to appear irrelevant. Yeah. So, and in, in, in really, if I'm hearing you've got that, that target market, you know that target market and what what people they are, and then pick the marketing things that you're going to do and put that out. Um, but you do agree as, as well as if sticking with, and I think a big challenge or a mistake that you see anybody make, any uh, entrepreneur in the marketing is they try something, it doesn't give them the results quick enough, and they give up. You've got to really be it in, in for the long haul. Absolutely. Yeah. And you do have to be able to pivot yes because if you aren't meeting your objectives and I and a lot of times people just don't even write them down uh-huh if you write them down mm-hmm. and they do say within 30 days you should put it in your little calendar I'm yeah. gonna look at my objectives in 30 days and did I meet them or not yeah and then sense. if I haven't pivot so Noel with the uh, with agents because you're behind the scenes and seeing everything that's happening uh, with agents what are the what are the challenges that they're dealing with right now and what advice for because I have a lot of a lot of agents that listen to the show and um, you know what would be your advice for for those the challenge boy get really creative with ways to encourage your sellers to okay. sell right now I think sellers now have the equity that they might have lost yes. so it's time to Talk to them a little bit about that. Uh-huh. I think the the challenge also for them is to find the next place for them. Yes. <laughs> With inventory being short, you, it's hard to get your clients to really think about what is that next mm-hmm. step if, mm-hmm. if, if it's if hard to buy right now, right? Yeah. The easiest ones are folks that are willing to maybe um, retire and go to that second home in a, yeah. in a different market. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and I've, I've got a complimentary, complimentary coaching program I do for realtors, and somebody had just brought up a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was just a brilliant marketing idea. Um, she is does a lot of, you know, cold calling with expires, but she said she goes back to people that they're, it expired like two years ago because now they've got equity. They were looking at selling and maybe it just wasn't the right time because the equity wasn't there, and I thought that was really brilliant because there are people out there that need our services and it's finding those people and connecting with them and finding out what their needs are and how you can be that solution for them. So exactly. Yeah. No, well, thank you so much for joining me back in studio. It's always a pleasure to have you. And I really appreciate you coming in and spending time with me. Thank you so much, Tina. Great to see you again. Coming up on the money hour. What are the consequences of working with the wrong world tour? Well, we have Aaron Hendon with Christine and company Keller Williams right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you on a tight budget? An Old Republic Home Protection Plan protects your budget from unexpected and expensive system and appliance breakdowns. You pay a reasonable trade call fee for service on covered items. Old Republic has been shaping the home warranty industry since 1974. They have built an outstanding reputation on providing dependable caring service you can rely on. Hi, this is Gene Roberts with Old Republic Home Protection. Please give me a call today to learn more about our home warranty product or to order protection for your own house. Call 1-800-282-7131. Again, that's 1-800-282-7131. And my extension is 1329. Go where you want, when you want. With a Banner Bank Connected checking account, you can use any ATM in the world for free. That's any ATM, anywhere. Think of it as your freedom to explore. Banner Bank, 
Let's create tomorrow together. Unlimited surcharge rebates from non-banner-owned U.S. ATMs. Banner Bank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. As a real estate broker, are you tired of belonging to an office where your designated broker doesn't have time for you? Kelsey Diller, designated broker with City Closers Real Estate, personally meets individually with the brokers to coach their business development and gives out leads. How would you like to make more sales and take your business to the next level this year? If you're ready to be considered for joining the winning team at City Closers, call me, Kelsey Diller, today at 206-554-1622 or visit us online at cityclosers.com. Kelsey Diller is a licensed real estate broker in the state of Washington, owner and designated broker of City Closers, LLC, located in downtown Seattle. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, February 4th show. I've built a network of elite industry professionals, each week sharing their knowledge and expertise with you, my listeners. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. To talk with myself or any guests that are in studio today, please call the show at one 855 411150. Again, that's one 855 or online at moneyhour.com. In studio right now, I have Aaron Hendon with Christine and Company and Keller Williams. Aaron, first time coming in and um, having a chance to chat with you in studio. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Tina. I'm really excited to be here. And a little bit about Aaron. Uh, Aaron is Seattle Realtor, real estate investor, author, educator, and speaker. He's a managing partner, Christine and Company, and Seattle Magazine, awarded five-star real estate agent, winning team for the past five years, and individual rising star in the Seattle real estate uh, winner this year. Bringing together a diverse background in history, including transformational leadership, entrepreneur, startups, and traditional cold-calling sales, Aaron and his team consistently outperform the local market, selling homes for over 5% more than local market averages. So I think it's exciting to hear about that. I mean, if you've got numbers and and backing statistics to show uh, what amazing job that you're doing out there in the market, and that's kind of what our conversation is a little bit about today, is the consequences of working with the wrong realtor. So when selecting a real estate agent, the numbers do that people normally focus on and what numbers should they focus on instead? So what are you seeing that they put their focus on and where it should be? Well, I think a lot of times when you talk to a realtor um, and you ask them how their business is or you talk to realtors, they'll talk about the number of units they've, they've sold mm-hmm. or they'll talk about the volume of the units, right? How much all those houses were worth. I've sold 60 units this year or uh-huh. those for $30 billion or whatever. And I think to a certain extent, it's it matters. I mean, you want to know that the person sells enough houses that they're productive, that they're doing it full time. Mm-hmm. But... Why is that important to me as the consumer, how much money you made? Mm-hmm. That's, that's not the number that matters to me. I think the number that people would be better off asking is, they'd be better off asking the question, what's important to me as the seller? Okay. What's important to me as a seller is generally the, that when, that when confronted with actually asking that question, they generally come up with, I want to sell my house for the most money mm-hmm. in the least amount of time. Yes. Probably with the least hassle to me. Right? Mm-hmm. Throw that in. Okay, then you should ask the person you're interviewing, all right, well, relative to the market, how much over asking price do you sell houses for? Uh-huh. And compared to the local market averages, how many days are you on market? Uh-huh. You know, how is your performance consistent with 
reaching my goal, not, sure. yay, you sold 100 units, yay, you. But what, how does that impact me as the consumer? And I think that's the question people want to ask. The number they want to know is, really how, much over, average. Yeah, how much yeah. over asking price are houses going for in this mm-hmm. market? And how do you do relative to that? And how many days on market average are, are houses on market? Yeah. And how do you do compared to that? Makes it make sense. So, Aaron, the the real cost working with the wrong realtor. How would you answer that question? Well, you, you know, I mean, if you just take the ex- our example, five percent over, and mm-hmm. median price in this market is twenty is five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, more or less, a little bit more than that, but um, that's a twenty five thousand dollar difference. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, and I, I can't imagine that anyone who's been, you know, following the market or looking at houses regularly doesn't see. Houses that have sat there for 30 days, 40 days, and you wonder why is that house sat there for that long mm-hmm. or what happened there. And that every month someone's paying mortgage, every month someone's paying sure. the insurance and all that stuff. And now they're not going to get the full value of the house because it's 60 years old and it looks sale. So the real cost of work of the wrong realtor is in dollars and cents. And it, you know, it, you know, $10,000 here and $10,000 there to, Butcher a phrase, and you're talking pretty soon. You're talking about real money. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes sense. It adds up quickly. So let's talk about interviewing for a real estate agent because yeah. we know, being in the industry, mm-hmm. and I know on the mortgage side as well, there's not as there's not a lot of in, in, interviewing that goes on to really right. sit down and ask the right questions and find out if that person's going to be right. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a, a context that people operate in that they're like all context. It's invisible. You can't really see it, and you know, uh, um, sort of the the analogy I use as a, as a man in this culture, if I go get my car, if I take my car into the shop and the guy tells me that the serpentine belt needs to be tightened, I don't have permission to say, I don't know what a serpentine belt is. Mm-hmm. I'm a man. I'm supposed to know that. I'm just supposed to know what a serpentine belt is. I don't know why I'm supposed to know that. I mean, fine. I think people think they're supposed to know things about houses. Mm-hmm. You know, they watch a ton of HGTV and they see this stuff and they think they're just supposed to know. Mm-hmm. And so consequently, they don't ask because people would rather, you know, like I said, drink hot lava than look stupid. And mm-hmm. they, so they would, so they rather than don't, rather than ask questions, they just nod and smile and they take their cousin's best friend's nephew's aunt who's a realtor and Uh that's good or they met that nice guy at the open house they're good or that guy on redfin looks nice and he's got or on the you know a lot of stars next to his Mm -hmm. name let's just pick him yeah because we don't know what to ask anyway and how are we going to find out yeah so really um interviewing and making sure that you know the questions that you need to ask to find out if that's going to be the right person to represent you in such a huge purchase. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about uh, discount um, brokers and discounted companies, not to completely take that away from a company because every company has um, a, a way that they do business, but mm-hmm. why might not that be the right thing or the right company to go with or nego- trying to negotiate someone's commission down to pay less? What would be... Uh, yeah, those are two great questions. and Just handle them separately for a second because... Um, so discounts in general, I mean, you know, I was in sales for many, many years and, uh, you know, discounts in general, not real estate in mm-hmm. business. Real estate is not particular like this. Um, a discount, I, I, almost always, and I can't think of a case where it's not one of these two things, a discount either indicates that the, the product itself is, will not garner full price in the marketplace. Oh, hi. Somehow the quality of mm-hmm. it is not sufficient to gather full price. That's why you offer a discount or mm-hmm. you have, 
or you're tr- or you have or you're going to make it up on volume. Got it. One or the other, like Costco. Nothing wrong with Costco volume, uh-huh. right? Or Costco products, but they sure. make less money per unit because they sell yeah. so many more units. Uh-huh. There's no really other reason why you would give a discount uh-huh. other than you either couldn't get full price or you had so many of the units you were going to make it up. And uh, you know, when you get a discount broker, I think you're getting someone who uh, look. Obviously, I'm biased. So hello, you know, I'm a full price broker. So you take this with grain of salt. Uh-huh. But look, if someone could get three percent. They'd go out and get three percent if that person's yeah. charging one and a half percent. You got to be really clear. They could. Yeah. They why would they not get three percent if they could? Sure. <laughs> Normally, I say discounted price equals discounted service yeah, in well, a normal situation. So let's let's talk about uh, negotiation and you know trying to negotiate yeah. uh, your realtor's commission. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if someone negotiates their realtor's commission down. Generally, they're pretty happy with themselves, but no one's really thought it through because that person just, you know, they went they went from 3% to 2%. Yeah, you got a percent. Mm-hmm. But that's you who doesn't, who, you know, if you're average buyer seller, you sell a house every once every 10 years. You don't do this every day. You just negotiated with someone who theoretically does this every day. And they just and you just beat them in a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Now you're going to help pay that person 2% to represent your interests against someone who does this every day. Mm-hmm. And if you were able to negotiate them down for their money, I think they're going to have a pretty good... You could bet they're going to negotiate your money away pretty quick, too. Sure. So it. you get... You know, you got to look at it. I'm not saying don't ask. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying watch how the negotiation goes. Because yes. if you got it really easy, I promise you, they're going to give away your money really easy when the time comes. Yeah, got it. So... Why might it not be the best plan always in choosing an agent by looking at how many signs that they have out well, I think in the this, market? Yeah, I mean, because so much of marketing in general uh, is uh, mind aware, mind share, right? And mm-hmm. that's and the way realtors n- work is mind share. I mean, the like, way any business works, not uh-huh. just realtors. You know, if they can capture Mindshare, they win. You know, if you name a potato chip, it's Lay's. If you name a shoe, it's Nike. If mm-hmm. you name a any it, toothpaste, it's Crest. It's Mindshare. So by putting up signs all over the place, right, people, you know, they see ads in the newspaper and they see signs up in the yard and that's what they need to do to get the Mindshare. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, it still doesn't answer the fundamental question is that person actually performing better? Sure. Because if nobody interviewed them, that just means they won the mindshare game and it doesn't indicate anything really other yeah. than they got there first. And that's the one thing that people, that realtors count on is that 85%, somewhere between 70 and 85% of people will hire the first realtor they talk to. And so the realtors are incentivized to be fast. Not good. Yes. But fast. Mm-hmm. So if they get there first, they're going to win. And if they have enough mind... and which also incentivizes them to overprice your list. If you think your house is worth a half a million and they think your house is worth 450, mm-hmm. they're incentivized to go ahead and take the listing because now their sign is in their yard, mm-hmm. in your yard, and they're there first in the mind of all the people that drive by and all yeah. the people that call. And whether your house sells or not at the price they agreed to, mm-hmm. they've already got business from your listing even not selling. So it's the best bet would be for you to treat the home sale, your home sale or your home purchase like a business. Mm -hmm. And if you're out to hire someone for a business, 
what do you do? What's the first thing you do if you're out to hire someone in any, you own a business. Interview. You interview them. Yeah, of course. You interview mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. What is the big deal? You actually ask them a series yeah. of questions. They maybe fill out an interview form. Sure, you know, or, or, sure. See a resume. You call references. Mm-hmm. That people don't do that with realtors is yeah. crazy making to me. Well, it, and it is. And I've, I've, I think you've brought in a good, I think volume and having a, a number of deals that they've done is important yeah. because you have to know that they're successful in this industry. Very much so. Um, if you get the stats on their performance, I think that is awesome. Um, also, we know with a connection with somebody, whether we're connecting with that person or not, if they're going to be the right fit for us. And you said the references, I think that's huge, really being able to have conversations and re-reviews of people that they've worked with before. So Aaron, how does the asymmetry of information and real estate transaction impact the way consumers behave? Well, I think it goes back to the thing about what the context of what, uh, how people operate. Um, you know, the asymmetry of information is that uh, is the realtor knows more about the business than you do. Now, people, there's Zillow and there's Redfin and there's great resources online. So people are educated to a mm-hmm. higher degree than they have been in the past. Um, but still, you don't read WebMD and pretend you're a doctor. You don't read Zillow and pretend you're a realtor. You just don't mm-hmm. have the same level of information. Sure. So that, that the realtor knows more about, like that thing I said about overpricing a listing. In the industry, it's called buying a listing. Mm-hmm. You buy a listing. You say, yeah, sure, I'll sell for 500 mm-hmm. People do that. But the consumer doesn't know that people do that. Yeah. The consumer doesn't know. know. Yep. The consumer doesn't know that the realtor actually ha- stands to make money whether they sell your house or not. Mm-hmm. True, they won't make money from the commission on your house, but and you will lose money. Mm-hmm. But they will they gain mind share and they gain any buyer that calls on your house mm-hmm. calls that sign call. Sure. So that's an asymmetry of information that yeah. people are unaware of, which would get handled if they interviewed people and they saw because because that person took a five hundred thousand dollar listing. Mm-hmm. And they sold it for four fifty. They're now selling it under their list price. Sure, that would show up in their statistics when you get asked the question, "How do your statistics compare to local market averages?" They'd have to stop doing that. Yeah, got it. So, Aaron, a realtor that's in this full time versus part time, and I know that you know there's a lot of part time, and it depends on the uh, the market that we're in and the mm-hmm. environment. Whether you have more that are doing part time than full time. Talk about the importance of working with an agent that actually is doing this as a full-time career versus just a hobby. Yeah, well, you, you got to look to see. You're, you're the one doing the hiring. Mm-hmm. So do you want to hire a hobbyist or do you want to hire someone who's a professional? Mm-hmm. It's totally up to you. Look, that person is a hobbyist. They, you know, they could potentially do fantastic for you, but this is your money and your time. And if they're not selling, I don't know, one house a month, 12 a year, 15 a year, mm-hmm. They have to be doing it part-time, and which means they have some other way of making money, which means I would begin to think maybe they're not going to work as hard for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me in studio. It was a pleasure uh, having a conversation with you, and look forward to having you back. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Tina. Coming up next on the Money Hour, how do you keep and grow wealth in 2017? Michael Chafee with International Business Solutions right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you overwhelmed by insurance commercials pulling at you to buy their products? 
Are you trying to figure out what you should buy and who best to buy it from? Welcome to agentreview.net. Finally, the best way to find the best insurance from the best agents. Agent Review provides consumers unbiased advice on common forms of insurance and highlights local agents whose credentials have been independently verified. We are the only online review company focusing only on insurance, education, and verified agents. Go today to www.agentreview.net and register as an agent or find resources as a consumer. Call 206-240-8274 or email Janet at agentreview.net for more information. Hi, I'm Janet Greeley, the Director of Strategic Partnerships for Agent Review. Please give us a call at 844-824-3687. That's 844-824-3687. Go where you want, when you want. With a Banner Bank Connected checking account, you can use any ATM in the world for free. That's any ATM anywhere. Think of it as your freedom to explore. Banner Bank. Let's create tomorrow together. Unlimited surcharge rebates from non-banner-owned U.S. ATMs. Banner Bank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, February 4th show. I am here to empower our community, providing you with opportunities and solutions when it comes to your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at one 855 411150. Again, that's 1855 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com to discuss anything regarding money. Uh, chat with the guests that I have in studio. Right now, I have Michael Chafee with International Business Solutions. Michael, another first time uh, guest in studio. Thank you so much for coming in and joining me. Thank you so much for having me in today. And a little bit about Michael. Uh, Michael is founder of International Business Solutions, LLC, in Woodenville. He's a licensed CPA with 27 years in public and private accounting experience. His expertise focused on improving businesses' operations in addition to oversees the portfolios of high net worth individuals. Michael is happy to have helped clients use the same tools to uh, retain capital as, as high net worth individuals use when they fit correctly. He also provides tax services and individual businesses, trust and estates. And Michael, today we're talking about keeping and growing wealth in 2017. And I would think that would be a, a pretty exciting thing to think about doing. So in 2016, years over, and it's time to call the accountants in to um, find out what's what the wounded is and what's happened. And is there any of our, for our listeners that can do now in 2017 to improve the outcome of their tax filing? Well, thank you for the question. Uh, there, there are a couple things that people can do. Uh, one of my favorites is they can still contribute to their IRA account mm-hmm. at this point all the way through April 15th. And uh, as you may note, we are just a little bit late for uh, filing a estimated tax payment on January 15th. That is kind of my second favorite thing to do for clients that, uh, that may be a little bit behind the eight ball. Uh, a lot of times clients have uh, real estate transactions, uh-huh. stock transactions, a significant self-employment income during the year that was unanticipated. 
And catching up on January 15th is a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. But let's flip back to, uh, to the IRA concept. And people need to pay more attention to saving for their own retirement these days. And actually, it's not just these days. It's, it's been that way for quite a while since, since the disappearance of the, the conventional pension plan and so forth. And a lot of people don't uh, take into account that if you miss your IRA contribution this year mm-hmm. for, you know, through April 15th for 2016, you don't get a redo. Yes. You're done. Mm-hmm. And the amounts are really quite small when you look at what it's going to take you to retire. That makes it just all that much more important that people uh, make this a priority in their spending. Yes. So, Michael, you have a background as controller and CEO for commercial real estate uh, management firms in Puget Sound area. What experience can you share with our listeners uh, that may be thinking about buying a home? Well, I like to tell people, uh, listen to the experts like the two wonderful folks that were on before me. Yes. And uh, they will usually tell you to pay attention to the location. I I find this to be even more valuable in the Puget Sound area Mm -hmm. and even more so today, primarily because our transportation infrastructure is, well, subpar is about the most generous thing. Has some challenges. Right. Okay. Has a challenge. That's even more charitable. (laughs) Thank you for that. And, you know, if you're going to live anywhere past walking distance from work, mm-hmm. pay big attention to that. That's going to be very valuable to you. Uh, and the other, another, another concept I like to bring up is, you know, go for it if you've done your homework. But when you look at a home, if you're looking at it and you don't know if it's in a good neighborhood, one that's well taken care of and going to maintain that status, or is it going downhill? If you sure. don't know that kind of thing... You haven't done your homework. You really need to go back and kind of start over on that concept because as much as uh, people like to talk about the American dream being home ownership, Mm -hmm. and I won't get into into what I think the American dream is, but at any rate, uh, they, they talk about this is going to make their life just so much better. Well, if you locate in an area where the traffic is already bad. Yes. And traffic continues to go the way it has been going and get worse. You know, what good is it to own a home when you're you're away from it for say three hours to start with, mm-hmm. and two years sure. from now it takes you five hours to make the commute? Mm-hmm. It's just not a great idea. And I I would say, uh, you know, people also need to think about uh, the tax code is really friendly right now so far as buying a home. Mm-hmm. And watching it appreciate as you live there, and you get a generous exclusion on the sale for the gain. Yes. And I think people people look at that as kind of uh, irrelevant, but in fact, it's really relevant because it makes a lot of it makes a lot of difference not to send the money to the United States Treasury, but to keep it and work it for yourself. There you go. <laughs> so, Michael, with your um, helping your clients in doing their accounting and with everything that's happening in the Puget Sound uh, market, what are you advising as far as investing in uh, rental properties, getting in the investment park market? Right. I see a lot of people that, that have that idea, and I have to really sit them down sometimes and ask them, you know, what are your alternatives? You know, what, what what's available to you besides real estate, and, and what is your motivation for entering the world of being a landlord Mm -hmm. 
And I kind of boil it down to a few things, such as, you know, location. One of the big things that we've seen in the Puget Sound lately is the city of Seattle seems to know quite quite a lot better than the landlords. Mm-hmm. How to screen clients and how to just require sure. them to take the first acceptable client. And, and things that uh, are kind of contrary to the capital market theory. So... The location is a big thing, and I, I also talk to people about liquidity, and mm-hmm. they they quickly tell me, well, I can get a loan against it if I need the money, and I say, well, yes, you can, and that's all fine and good, and I know quite a few people that might be able to help you out with that, mm-hmm. but it's not like calling up your brokerage firm and saying, send me a check for 10K, I really need to buy my wife a new car. It's, it's not that kind of a thing. The, another another valid concept is management. Who's going to be getting the calls in the middle of the night when there's a flood? Yeah, and and th- that kind of thing. And who's going to screen those clients? And how how tightly are they going to screen those clients? Sounds like everything else that you're investing in. You want to really make sure that you understand what that investment is, what the pros and cons are, and see how it's going to fit within your your overall um, financial picture. And yes. Th- and I'm glad you mentioned that because the. Uh, the other two things I like to have people think about before mm-hmm. they jump in is uh, the cash flow. And people will tell me, you know, it's okay if I lose $50, $250. It depends on who it is, obviously, what their threshold is. But they, they tell me it's okay to lose a little bit of money. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get rich. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my money on the capital appreciation here. Mm-hmm. And I say, that's great. Did you factor in the management cost you're going to have? Sure. And the maintenance cost you're going to have if you're not doing it yourself? And and if you are doing it yourself, what are you living without? Yes. Are you so living? it's running the numbers, making sure that the numbers come out uh, favorably and that you're understanding all the costs are associated to having that that asset. So, Michael, what about uh, distributions? Are there distributions in store for 2017? I mean, you may have said in, you know, what the market is supposed to be. I might have listeners saying that with uh, Trump coming in, there's supposed to be a crash coming up. Maybe, maybe not. But what is your what are your thoughts? Well, you know, that's a great question, and, and clearly there are going to be big changes uh, based on the election. And like a great deal of other intelligent questions, it, it really depends. Uh, many people uh, think that their uh, their crystal ball is the only one that has the right answer, mm-hmm. but their track record indicates that their crystal ball really isn't that great. So I look at what's been promised, and... The, the promises of uh, lower taxes and regulations, less regulations, um, that's a prescription for growth. And that can, that's kind of a double-edged sword I'd like to talk about at, at another juncture, perhaps. Okay. But um, I, I really think that the, the high, leaving taxes high and regulations increasing over the past 28 years or so has has pretty much slowed down our economy to to what I call an unsustainable pace. We have uh, bigger issues that that uh, result from that. Uh-huh. So I'm just hoping the trade policy. Uh, we've heard headlines about um, taking hard lines against some good trading partners, and Puget Sound really needs that trade to to continue along, and that's going to keep the housing market healthy and the job market healthy. So. 
I've got my fingers crossed. So either way, there are going to be disruptions, and I'm hoping that they'll be positive. Yeah, we'll have to wait. We'll wait and see uh, with all the changes what's, you know, what positive and and not so positive might come out of it. So converting to an S corporation to save money, what would be your advice on that, uh, Michael? Well, a lot of people think that, that you can save money when you're not making any money, and that's a little bit upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conversion to an S corporation really makes a lot of sense when people are making uh, consistent money as a sole proprietor or an LLC. And uh, for people that are not uh, familiar with LLCs and entities and sole proprietors and corporations, and um, an S corporation, an LLC, and a sole proprietor all flow through into the individual's tax return. The thing about S corporations that is saving people money is the lack of self-employment taxes that you pay on your distributions. Uh-huh. And so I generally ballpark those self-employment taxes at 10%, and there's kind of a Rubik's Cube as far as you get to pay 15.3%, and you get to take a credit against your income of 765 Mm-hmm. And assessing yourself a tax on your gross income versus reducing your gross income by half that amount does not translate to a number right in the middle. And so 10% is where I just ballpark it so I can do the math in my head. But if you are if you consistently make about $100,000 as an S-corp or sole proprietor, excuse me, an LLC uh-huh. or a sole proprietorship, it begins to start to pay off to become an S-corporation, put yourself on payroll for reasonable compensation, and then take those distributions um, free of self-employment tax, which saves you on $50,000. My math says that's about $5,000. And, uh, you know, there is a cost to that. There's a little bit greater administration if you're not currently doing payroll. That takes time or money. And... um, that's why I figure uh, right around $100,000, you start to save money being an S-corporation instead of a sole proprietorship or okay. an LLC. So what are you seeing with your uh, with your clients right now, Michael, um, or clients that I guess maybe are not your clients that are it makes mistakes that they're making that's going to cost them a lot of money? So as we I wrap up my time with you, what would be your uh, your shout out to my listeners to avoid? The biggest thing I think people should avoid is making decisions based on tax policy. Okay. I think uh, I see a lot of people that that pick up headlines and they seize them as if they're gold or platinum, and they don't quite think things through. Every transaction people get involved in, they should look at based on the merits of the transaction itself, and only on a kind of a secondary level, look at the tax situation mm-hmm. as a as a perhaps a gotcha, but don't don't put the don't put the cart in front of the horses in sure. this example. So that's my that's my greatest little morsel of advice for people. Wonderful. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me in studio. I appreciate your time and your expertise uh, sharing it with my listeners. Thank you. And this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. I'll be here same time, same place next Saturday, right here on 1150 AM KKNW.
preceding program was paid for by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 7233. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group. Contact your local branch for more information.